2: today. Six goals past the foals as Bayern sealed the title in style. In France, Rennes killed title race while PSG get a check for Prince. It's as you were in La Liga while in Italy have Milan put Juve's top four hopes to bed with a very soft pierlo. All those stories and more on the way in this Totally Football show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listener. It's uh, Tuesday the 11th of May, very probably, and away we go with top continental chums Alvaro Romeo. Hello. Julian Laurence. Bonjour. James Horncastle, Hello. And Raphael Honigstein. Hello. Uh, we're recording on, the, on, on Monday, listener. We're, we're not the only high-level continental meeting that is going on on this Monday. UEFA also getting together. Well, you won't get a podcast of theirs, sadly. They're going to be having a chat about disciplinary measures for the three Super League holdouts and also moving the Champions League final. In fact, you might have an announcement on that by the time this podcast
3: drops. Seems like it's going to happen, though. What do you think? It would make sense, really. I mean, Istanbul is a great city and and all of that, and they, 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 it's, it's their time to have a Champions League final. They should have had it last year, it was moved to Lisbon, they should have it this year, but I think it makes sense for so many reasons to have it at Wembley, for example. The fact that Turkey is on the red list, you know, the list from the UK government, that it will make it harder for fans to go there, certainly from the UK into Turkey. I think for loads of reasons, it would make sense, and Istanbul can have the next one, or we can all move them, you know, the next few years. I think UEFA missed a trick They could have simply
4: announced that the winner of City-Chelsea on Saturday will also be awarded the trophy. And then you didn't have (laughs) to do any of this nonsense.
2: Right. Thanks for that, Rafa. Let's get some moments of the week anyway with Paddy Power.
5: Álvaro. Well, the moment of the week uh, has to be a sequence that starts uh, into the 73rd minute of the Real Madrid-Sevilla game. In Valdebebas, there is a title race, Real Madrid and Sevilla. Both opponents in the night are uh, 1-1 in the scoreline and then Benzema gets a penalty after a quick uh, counterattack. but the decision is overturned uh, because there has been a penalty at the other end. Uh, Militao uh, touched the ball with his hand and Rakitic scores a penalty. The good thing for Real Madrid is that after all that controversial sequence they managed to get a draw but uh, this sequence probably has been one of the most uh, iconic and it's going to be one of the most iconic uh, VAR sequences in La Liga history of course.
2: Brilliant. Love an iconic VAR uh, sequence. James Horncastle.
6: Well, it has to be the Champions League playoff on Sunday evening, James, surely between uh, Juventus and Milan. Just when you thought Juventus could not sink any lower, just when you thought that uh, all these kind of storm clouds, no more could gather around them. But yes, they have because they lost 3-0 to Milan um, in what was not their worst performance of the season, And that's saying something because they've actually done worse against the likes of Benevento and Fiorentina, but it was bad. And this is a very, very bad season for you.
4: James, do you think this is a ploy? So if they (laughs) miss out on the Champions League, like Milan did a couple of years ago, just say to you, if you know what, the punishment, we will not be in the Europa League next season. Fine. That's Okay.
6: Yeah, I'm sure their best player, Cristiano Ronaldo, will uh, really enjoy sitting out of the Champions League. We'll see.
2: (laughs) We'll discuss that later on. Jules, your moment of the weekend.
3: Has to be PSG losing points again again on Sunday night, which meant that the door is now wide open for Lille. I'm not crying, or certainly not anymore. Uh, Wide open for Lille to win this title, which would be an incredible achievement, and for PSG not to win this title, which would be a disaster.
2: Right. Jules, it's a shame for PSG with the title, but at least you got a prize that in many ways is even more special, a bizarre record collaboration with Prince's Estate. We'll talk about that (laughs) later (laughs) on. Rafa, your moment of the weekend.
4: Well, that's an easy one, James. It's Jadon Sancho scoring a late winner for Dortmund against
3: uh, Leipzig. To
4: not only lift Dortmund back into the top four places, but more importantly, secure Bayern's title. Because um, with their game kicking off later, they became... The nine consecutive champions, thanks to Dortmund's win, they got the news on the way into the ground or in the dressing room and they celebrated by beating Borussia Mönchengladbach 6-0, as they do.
2: All right, well, we'll start off with Bayern, the Titelmeisters, next. (laughs)
0: The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. Defenses may be looking shaky at the moment, but Paddy's offers are rock solid. If one leg of your four-plus-fold acker lets you down, get a free bet. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18plus, be gamble-aware.org.
2: right, chase me and shower me with your creamy vice beer, Rafa. Fine. off.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Bayern are champions. James there's some things that shouldn't be mentioned on the pod can we just get back to what happens in football yeah
2: so uh, wild scenes of celebration then in the game uh, on Saturday between Bayern Munich and Mönchengladbach as you mentioned Russia Dortmund's result earlier in the day had meant that Bayern already were champions but they went out and gave a demonstration of why they are number one
4: you know, this suggests to me that you didn't see the game because due to COVID regulations, there was absolutely right. no beer at all involved. I know. It's a shame, it isn't it? Yeah. Um, it was all very perfunctory, I would say. Um, they sort of locked arms and sang sang campeones a couple of minutes and then they said, OK, let's, let's go home.
2: Well, it's the ninth time in a row. They're probably a bit bored of it.
4: Yeah, I don't know if it's that, but, you know, there's no crowd they wanted by not playing themselves it all added up to being slightly underwhelming um and as is so typical with Bayern immediately it was not so much about celebrating but oh next year we have to win the 10th no one's done it in the top leagues in Europe we can we can we can do it we can be the first one that's going to be our aim and it's like no one's saying just you know hold on a second and the season's not even finished yet just enjoy it no no we have to do it again next year. That, that's Bayern. That's part of the reason why, why they keep on winning, of course, but more importantly because they have the best players and no one can really compete at the moment.
2: Well, let's talk about how excellent they were against Mönchengladbach. Hat-trick from Robert Lewandowski, which means that he's now just one away from Gerb Müller's 30, sorry, 49-year-old uh, goal-scoring record.
4: That's absolutely right, James, and people thought it could never be done. People thought that even Lewandowski will not do it because he missed a few games injured, but he's come back. And after a bit of a shaky start against Mainz, he's back to near his best. And perhaps just as importantly, the, the team have decided they want to do everything to help him to break that record as well. And with two games to go, he's, he's got a really good chance of, of making it. I mean, it's, it's incredible because on the one end, you have Lewandowski possibly scoring 40 goals, On the other hand, you have Bayern conceding 40 goals already this season, which is the worst in 10 years. If they concede two more, it'd be the worst defence in 25 years. That shows you just how vulnerable they have been. But again, unfortunately, that fragility and that bit of an opening that they have allowed the competition hasn't coincided with the kind of consistency from other teams. And that's why they've been able to kind of... uh, not, not run away with it, but maybe walk away mm. with it towards the okay. end of the season. The,
2: the second Lewandowski goal was pretty special, Rafa.
4: It was lovely. It was one of those, um, we call them Seidfalzir, where it's, it's a volley, um, but you kind of go down as you hit it, um, mixed between a volley and an overhead kick, but it's still very much in front of you uh, from a very acute angle. It was a lo- lovely goal but like many of the goals Gladbach conceded, you're wondering just what the defence, including Jan and Goal, were doing. The foals, they folded.
2: Well, uh, earlier in the day, and just as crucially for a Bayern's title, Dortmund with the 3-2 win away at RB Leipzig. Of course, these two teams due to go again on Thursday in the Pokal final, although I assume, Rafa, the DFB will just say, you won this one, Dortmund, you can have the Pokal yeah. As well.
4: yeah they could I mean usually it's a showcase in Berlin but without the crowd it's not quite the same also on a Thursday night uh, which really shows you just how yeah diminished a event it is this year this is all to do with the knock-on effect of the Bundesliga games being postponed last weekend um, because of the May 1st demonstrations police saying we're too stretched we can't have all these Bundesliga games on so they needed to find an extra date for the for the Pokal but it's a shame because it would have been in front of the you know eighty thousand crowd, it would have been a really fantastic game. And of course, for once, guaranteed not by Munich as the winner. So mm. um still would be a pretty exciting match, I should think.
2: Well, this was certainly quite quite a thriller and this three two result means that as it stands, Dortmund won't be playing Thursday night football next season in Europe, because they've moved back into the, the top four. No Haaland here, as they notched up their fifth league win in a row, but Jaden Sancho once again, assuming control of, of, of proceedings?
4: He's been pretty spectacular in recent weeks, um, coming really back to his very best, just at a time when I think Dortmund need him most, not just because of Erling Haaland not being there, but also with all the speculation about him moving on and Dortmund unofficially sort of naming a price tag. I think it's it's good timing for him to be as good and as effective as he is now. I think people outside Germany... Still underestimate how good he is simply because they haven't seen as much of him, uh, but he's been it's been phenomenal once more in recent weeks, and it should be really exciting to see what he can do against uh, Leipzig for a second time on 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 Thursday night. I hope that Erling Haaland will be there alongside him, but he's still doubtful uh, with a muscle injury. But yeah, I think Dortmund very much the favourites after that win. Julia Nagelsmann's record against Dortmund is, is pretty bad for whatever reason. But at the same time, Leipzig were a little bit unlucky because they came back very strong, having been 2-0 down. And if it wasn't for Sancho's individual brilliance, maybe they would have nicked a point. Um, but yeah, should be should be a really great game.
2: OK, and should be an interesting finale as well. Two games to go, Wolfsburg in third, Dortmund in fourth and Frankfurt now dropping to fifth after drawing with Mainz on Sunday. Those three teams, anyway, separated by three points. So everything to play for. Pretty tight down the bottom as well, where you've got four teams within two points of each other. Hertha Berlin, Werder Bremen, Armenia, Bielefeld and Cologne. Hertha have a game in hand. One team will go down with Schalke. One other will go to playoff. That's exciting. We'll talk more about that. But right now, while Bayern continue their title reign on the other side of the Alps, the
0: times, they are a-changing. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
1: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pearce, Ollie Kaye, and the very best football writers around. <laughs> The
2: sound there of Juve's latest and probably most definitive defeat yet. Juve and Milan, of course, two of Italy's grandest sides this season, also rivals for top four places. Sunday night they met in Turin and what was seen as uh, very much a make-or-break game for Andrea Pirlo at Juventus. It turned out to be a 3-0 win for Milan. James Horncastle, how big... How long-lasting will the implications of this result be for both clubs?
6: Well, it could be huge for for Milan, who are looking to get back into the Champions League for the first time since, what, 2014? Uh, They were winter champions in in Serie A this season, and then pretty much since January, they've really tailed off. I think they've been quite tired, uh, having played the Europa League preliminaries, Europa League, um, and they had a, a lot of injuries. Their January transfer window wasn't particularly good. So I think this was a a continuation of a return to form that we've seen in the last 10 days, fortnight, um, really. And it's big because it eclipses what happened in the reverse fixture. Juventus were the first team to beat uh, Milan in the league this season in mid-January at San Siro 3-1. But this 3-0 win at the Allianz Stadium, where they'd never won before, means that they now have the edge on head-to-head. So if Juventus and Milan finish on level points at the end of the season, Milan will qualify for the Champions League, providing they're in the top four um, because of uh, that head-to-head tiebreaker. So it was massive in that respect. Um, I didn't think they had to be really that good um, to beat them. I think what was what was actually quite surprising um, was even after they had a penalty saved from Frank Kessie, so the scoreline could have been worse for the Juventus. Um, even after Zlatan Ibrahimović, their talisman, went off injured, Milan actually got better. Um, and I think that's one of the things, that without Zlatan, they're able to press and play at an intensity that causes opponents more problems um, often. Um, and again, uh, Juventus look like their confidence has been shot to pieces. Um, and I don't think they're playing with any particular purpose either. Yeah, I think over the last few years, so much has been made of, of of the Champions League and how that is the the primary focus of their season. I think to have gone out in the quarterfinals in Allegri's final year, round of sixteen on the serie, round of sixteen again this time around uh, to Porto, to be out of the kind of title race in Serie A, really, I would say from mid January uh, when they lost it the into in the Derby d'Italia, I think this team. Is running empty when it comes to motivation. I think it's quite interesting what Raf says about nine years and, and going for number ten at Bayern. I think I don't know whether it's it's because they're they're coming off a season which was hard to win the league under Sarri, not particularly enjoyable for the players, and it was through a pandemic, which I think it was very congested. I think this team is just jaded um, and done. Uh, really, I think. Um, and we're going to have to say, I mean, there was a meeting on Monday afternoon. Uh, the club officials with Andrea Pirlo to see whether uh, he should uh, stay on until the end of the season. They've decided that he will. Um, he was pretty firm on his desire not to resign um, after after the defeat. Um, but I think change of manager feels inevitable uh, at the end of the season. We'll have to see what uh, what the future holds also for Agnelli and uh, his long-term chief football officer, Sporting director Fabi Parath, whose contract is up, I think what was what was really significant was that John Elkan, um, the head of the uh, the Agnelli family and Exor, which owns uh, owns Juventus, was in attendance for this for the for the defeat. Uh, not great for Agnelli, not great for Pillar or the players that um, Elkan was was there in the stands to watch them collapse in the way that they did.
2: You've talked about the future there for some of the key figures. What about one of the keyest of all, Cristiano Ronaldo? No way is he going to be playing Europa League football, surely?
6: <laughs> well, at this moment in time, we don't know. I mean, he's got a year left on his deal. He's paid very well by Juventus, 31 million euro a year net. Um, so gross, that is that is a massive uh, salary that they are committing to. And I think the, the choice... Maybe Cristiano has to make is he's not going to get paid that elsewhere, yeah, you know, and he's not going to be able to enjoy the kind of fiscal benefits that he gets in Italy either um, from the Decreto Crescita, which came in. Um, so, is money important to him? You know, he's he's certainly earned a lot throughout his career, where he can he can maybe privilege prioritize his his football and that sort of thing. But who's prepared to pay a fee? I think if you look at how much he's. Ex- past fees amortized he would cost maybe Juventus would have to sell him for more than 25 million in order to not to make a loss so that's 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 the price tag for Cristiano and then i mean his wages are still going to be a hell of a lot and we're not out of a pandemic so it's uh it's one of those uh, knots that has yet to be untied is the italian i would say <laughs> mm.
2: do, do any of you see Cristiano subject of but there's been rumors of everyone from return to la liga to
3: Old Trafford. What do you think? Sporting. Surely sporting would be the best story of all. You know, he goes back to sporting. For a sporting. He goes, you know, the whole family moves back to Portugal. He's close to his mum and his sister and all the family there as well. I mean, they, they probably would even leave him, let him leave in Madeira and then, I don't know, take a helicopter every day to go to training in Lisbon. I don't know, whatever. But it could, could make it so nice and such the end of the cycle for him would be brilliant and then he could almost play for, for them for free and they would be in the Champions League next season Ruben Amori might still be the, the manager with all that young generation coming through it would be perfect that's
2: lovely Jules anybody have any ideas of where Ronaldo might actually go next year?
3: Oh, <laughs> I just wish I, I really can't wait for him to sign to Sporting and then I can I can shut your big mouth <laughs>
2: Wow, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on uh, to to Milan actually because while Juve look a little bit uh, jaded, Milan anything but fantastic. Opening goal from uh, Brahim Diaz, who's who's not been featuring in the side. Lovely to see after after his goal that he ran over and immediately embraced the manager Stefano Pioli, and then Ante Rebic with the second, and the the final goal, lovely header from uh, Fikayo Tomori. What's going to happen with him, James? Will they hang on to him because he's well, currently, tomorrow belongs to Chelsea, no? Yeah,
6: but Milan have an option. Uh, I know that initially, when they signed him on loan in January, it was considered to be expensive twenty-eight million. Um, but uh, on the whole, he's performed so well that that doesn't look as expensive as it did uh, when they got him. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, their willingness to um, to sign him on a permanent basis. Um, they want to do it. He wants to stay. Uh, I think it did come down to whether they would qualify for the Champions League or not. I think that was a consideration, at least. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, so. I I, I I anticipate that he will he will be a Milan player next next season um, as well. As for for Brahim, yeah, I think Stefano Pioli got his tactics absolutely right. Uh, this was a gamble um, to play to play him behind Zlatan. He could have played Rebic, he could have played Leao, um, and and he didn't. And uh, you know, Brahim didn't just score that that brilliant goal. Uh, although what Chesney was doing, I mean, wonderful cheeky Fudbizia from Zlatan you know, on 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 Chesney, where he basically stopped him going back to his goal line, um, and uh, and Brahim manages to curl it into the top corner. He also what won the penalty for Kessi, even though Kessi didn't, didn't convert it. So uh, total performance for, from him, and uh, I think Chiellini just had an awful night certainly in the second half, uh, handball, third penalty given away this season um, and uh, it gets absolutely uh, destroyed by Tomori on that on that free kick. Tomori just out jumps him and yeah, Chiellini tumbles into the ground and never to really be seen again. Um, so, yeah, massive for Milan, as I mentioned, to, to do it really with a non-performance from Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who... I think he's had a scan on his knee this morning didn't look comfortable after after coming off but I think Milan have shown that they can play without him um, not done yet for Milan I must say they've got Atalanta on the final day of the season um, mm. and you know that's Uwe, never though. been an easy game for them Juve though yeah
2: they've got Sassuolo midweek and then who have they got next weekend
6: Inter in the debut d'Italia
2: Inter.
6: Uh, th- this this was one of the great stories of the weekend as well because Claudio Ranieri, um, Saint Claudio, um, gave a guard of honour. He wanted his Samp players to do that because he'd seen it at, uh, at, uh, done in England. Uh, and so immediately, <laughs> questions like, will Juventus give in to a guard of honour at the Allianz Stadium? I'm not so sure. We'll have to see.
4: James, how, if anything, is the, re- the reaction been on the ground at Juve after the... Uh- Super League disaster. Is there any sort of pressure from the fans? I mean, are they are they towing the company line? What, what what's the fallout, if any?
6: I mean, initially when the Super League project was launched, uh, there was a banner outside the the stadium which said uh, "Don't drag our club name through the mud" uh, and things like that. Um, but I would say that Juventus is a unique club in insofar as the Anelli family have been. Involved since what the 1920s, so they kind of trust the Anjeli's. I wouldn't say blindly, um, but they, I think, they believe in them in a way that's, for example, fans of Manchester United and Liverpool don't don't have the same confidence in their owners. Um, I think. I think what's what's interesting is that Anjeli has been a lightning rod for this. I think Milan and Inter have got on, got away really with <laughs> with with their involvement. Um, in it. Um you know I think uh, in Inter's case, yeah they've won the league title uh, and so everyone's been focusing on that rather than rather than the Super League. In Milan's case, it's been very hush hush. Um and yeah, I mean this Juventus Milan game could have been the derby of the two Italian teams who were left in the Super League and I think it was very interesting seeing that statement put out by Juventus Barcelona Real Madrid how disappointed they were with the, the other teams for withdrawing. I think, from from Agnelli's point of view, I, I think he felt that they were blood brothers, particularly Juventus and Milan, uh, in that because Milan hung around much longer than Inter did, uh, and didn't and didn't leave at the same time as the six Premier League teams did. Um, but you know, we saw that um, UEFA will refer. Um, the, the three to the disciplinary commission. We've also seen the Italian Football Federation pretty soon after the, the Super League news broke that they amended the the statutes to their licensing charter whereby if you uh, enroll uh, to, to join a private competition that is not recognized by UEFA, FIFA or the Italian Football Federation, then you forfeit your place in domestic competition. And the president of the Italian Football Federation has again come out today and said, look, if, if Juventus are still in the Super League, by the time we start issuing licences for the next season of City A, they will not be in City a. So Juventus, Juventus are going to have to come in from the cold uh, at some stage.
2: All right. Well, it's been a bad weekend all round for the Super League holdouts. Very shortly, we'll be hearing how their Spanish blood brothers got on. But first, a little bit of League 1 news.
0: Uh, Harry, is there any truth in the rumours that you're off to Spain in the summer? Uh, 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 sorry, me, uh, me no hablo inglés. <laughs> what about one of the Manchester clubs? Uh, well, you know it's. Uh... Well, Harry, what about my source who says you're keen to stay at Spurs? <laughs> uh, can we keep the questions sensible, please? Kane's future at Spurs remains uncertain, but you're guaranteed to get money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 hacker lets you down. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10, min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. t and 18 plus. Be
1: on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, smart speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Jules knocked out of the
2: Champions League in embarrassing fashion. PSG responding like a true European giant.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean in um, embarrassing fashion? Which you way? Got, where
2: the, the, the spectacle in the final minutes there at the Etihad. But oh, it doesn't matter. That's what happens. It's all about how you bounce back, and and PSG certainly did announcing a new and bizarrely random sponsorship with the Prince Estate, not the organic food people, the, the you know, the diminutive <laughs> Minneapolis funkster, uh,
3: yeah. to craft Icons this. to icons, you know. Party made, party made like like George, could you just explain what's going on there? I'm not really sure myself, James. They just thought it was a good idea, marketing-wise, to, um, to sell uh, Prince records uh, Christ, yeah. with a PSG, PSG the most beautiful club in the world <laughs> nice nice love <laughs> it you maybe, see may, <laughs>
2: maybe they should go for controversy because
3: you know yeah good idea yeah. 18 euros anyway. it would cost you if you want that CD I'm gonna buy it for you Uh okay all right well anyway on the field
2: they only drew 1-1 with Ren this Sunday yet another red card
3: Yeah. In very similar fashion, to be fair, to the one uh, that Angel Di Maria uh, got in the Etihad, or certainly the one that Danilo Pereira and Kimpembe should have got. Should have got, City. yeah. yeah.
6: Mm. Little red,
3: red card. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a good evening. Uh, they probably don't didn't even deserve a point, I think. They, they, they played okay in the first half, scored on a penalty there, Scored a lot of controversy in France because you could easily not give it and you can give it controversy again. That Neymar scored Uh, Neymar, who was quite average uh, a few days after signing his uh, contract extension. And PSG in the end, that considered a goal late by uh, Girassi, who cost them two points. And now, as we were saying at the start of the show, leave the door very wide open for Lille to win their first title in 10 years.
2: It's a sign of the times, Jules. Not sure why, but it's a Prince song, so there you go. Okay.
3: Is there what is there a joke with purple rain to be made?
2: I don't think so. Okay. But but it's not a lil red Corvette. It's lil three
4: points ahead. Damn. The question is is Poch life over now?
2: Ha! Nice.
3: Nice.
2: (laughs) That's a a deep cut.
3: Yeah. That's a deep cut. It isn't, to be fair, because he will still be there next season. Of course, he's already said after the game last on Sunday night. We will we'll have to make big decisions for the squad in the summer, which I think they will or will try for sure. And then and then Lille, as you said, three points clear. They play Saint-Etienne and Angers who have nothing to play for. And they will have to lose one of the two and PSG to win both against uh, Reims and Brest to, um, to win the title, which I don't think will happen. So.
2: Because this, this weekend was the game you thought, well, rather on Friday, was the game you thought that if they were going to drop points, it would be against yeah. Launce, their big northern rivals in the derby at Launce. And instead, what a performance, a 3-0 win. And
3: once again, who was the star? Boraki Yilmaz. What an incredible, really, really, I know we've said it a lot on the show through the whole season, but really someone who's 35 years old, who had never played outside of Turkey before and who's... a great player in the Turkish league and for the Turkish national team but still to to go abroad the way he did to a much smaller club really than what he's experienced before with a lot of young young players very talented but still inexperienced and young players and have the impact that he has not speaking the language and he still he still can't speak french but to have that kind of impact is really really incredible and he deserves all the plaudits, all the credit same with Galtier and the rest of the, the the team the club everyone, because they were they have been fantastic. And if Yilmaz hadn't been injured for two months between November and December, they, they probably would be clearer ahead, to be fair. So, you know, well done to them. That game against Lens, they scored really early. Uh, Yilmaz on a penalty. Then Lens did well, to be fair, and create their own chances. But Mac Mignon in goal has been one of the best keepers in Europe this season, without a doubt. And again, it's a shame that he will leave in the summer. Uh, but whoever gets him, whether that's Milan or an English club or whoever... Would be very lucky because he's a tremendous goalkeeper. Kept them in it really, kept that win alive. And then Borak in the second half was even better. So there was, they were too good for Lens, like they were in the reverse fixture. And I think they've been too good for most of the teams in, in France this season. And let's not forget that PSG could not beat them in the two games. Actually, PSG have not done the double against any other team from the top seven in the in the league this season. They've got 76 points, which is the lowest they had since they lost the title to Montpellier with Olivier Giroud and that great team in 2012, so almost 10 years.
2: Well, if Lille can hang on, it will be their first title in 10 years since the, the grand old team that featured, of course, Jovigno and Johan Cabai and Eden Hazard, of whom more shortly... I know we were talking last week about their incredible ability to source fresh talent, but Maxi spelling it out very nicely on Twitter... Lille sold Pepe for 80 million and replaced him with Ozimen for 22.4 million. The following year, they sold Ozimen for 70 million and replaced him with Yilmaz on a free transfer. And now Yilmaz has scored 15 goals in 25 games and they're going to win the title. Luis Campos, says Maxi, is a maestro.
3: He's a genius, absolutely genius, because it's not just what he did at Lille before leaving and you know, going to get Yilmaz, for example. But I think he's always recognized that you can have the, the most talented youngsters in the world and they certainly have some of them at Lille. If you don't have some cool heads who've been there before, who've done it in a way or not, you know, in a way or another, like Jose Font, like Barack Yilmaz, even like Benjamin André, the captain to a certain extent, although he's younger than Font and Yilmaz, you're not going to get anywhere. And I think for him to have sold those men. In the way they did to Napoli, and then thought, okay, let's replace him by someone quite similar and young like him, like Jonathan David from from Gen, and they go, they went and, and get him, and who had a great season, but also let's get someone who can accompany Jonathan David, who all this is very new, and and you know he's never played. Uh, for a team that that could compete for a title in one of the big five leagues with someone who is a lot of experience but who can guide him with advice, with a lot of things like Borak Hilmaz. Hil- Hilmaz, I was told, hardly laughs and smiles. He's just all about work and working hard and being on time and being you know, demanding and on discipline, on details, everything like that. But for all those kids like, like Jonathan David, like Boubacarie Soumare, like Botman, like a lot of others, this is what they needed. They that. That's exactly the kind of father figure that they needed in that squad. And he's been there. And I think Luis Campos certainly very, very early on identified the needs of that team in terms of experience, as well as talent and youth.
2: Next up, let's hear about
3: La Liga.
0: FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu.
1: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
2: Alvaro, the top four playing each other in La Liga. What an exciting title race weekend this was. Barcelona against Atletico Madrid on Saturday. On Sunday, Real Madrid taking on Sevilla. So, Barca Atleti. Messi against his old friend Suarez finished goalless what a huge chance for Real Madrid then come
5: Sunday Yes, but they didn't take it I mean, it was one of those uh, weekends that coincidentally the calendar uh, gave us this present and I think that both games were um, I wouldn't say equally nice but uh, they were good enough Uh, I think that uh, La Liga as I have said repeatedly this season hasn't been particularly good but uh, it's been the competitiveness of the competition at the final stages what is making it nice now. And probably this is the the best title race in Europe at the minute. And uh, Barcelona... You know, they needed to win, uh, beat Atletico de Madrid, and they needed to beat Granada in the last uh, home game they had. And they have only got only one point out of six at home in the last two games. And that uh, hasn't disqualified them as uh, title contenders, but they have put them in a very difficult situation. Because uh, after drawing against Atletico de Madrid, number one, they didn't depend on themselves to win the title already. But now there are two teams... Uh, Atletico de Madrid and Real Madrid that uh, depend on their own results uh, to win the title and Barcelona has to get as many points as possible and wait and uh, expect somebody to make a, a, to have a, a dip in their form uh, to sleep, to, not to get a result here and there uh, I think that uh, the game for Atletico was the kind of game that Simeone would have wanted from his team, uh, with the team pressing high at the beginning, having a couple of chances in the first half. By the way, Lionel Messi was about to score one of those goals that uh, would have become viral because he Pretty much dribbled past like five players uh, in the first half. And then Jano Black did an amazing save. But uh, the goal didn't come. And uh, not Diego Simeone, who has never beaten Barcelona in the league as Atletico de Madrid manager, or Alfred uh, roider, uh, who was the, uh, the manager in the absence of Ronald Koeman, were uh, too happy with the result at the end of the game. But Simeone was uh, slightly happier because he knows that uh, with this draw, he still has the upper hand against Barcelona.
2: Right. I hope nobody was laughing with their former teammates like Griezmann or or Suarez at the final whistle because we really don't like to see that kind of thing in football. Eden Hazard, (laughs) of course, was shaming the game with that kind of behaviour after the uh, midweek clash with Chelsea. How much did the fact that he was the player who popped up in, what, the 93rd minute, earning a vital equaliser against Sevilla, how much has that rehabilitated Eden with the Real Madrid faithful?
5: Not much. If you open the newspapers today, on Monday, uh, you won't see a lot of praise for Eden Hazard because pretty much he didn't create uh, or he didn't participate voluntarily in scoring this goal. Let's put it that way. I mean, it was just a a pinball uh, situation that benefited Real Madrid and Eden Hazard. But the critics on him last Thursday were way too much. I mean, uh, the way El Chiringuito started their show. El Chiringuito is the the show where Florentino Pérez spoke two weeks ago after uh, presenting the Super League. The way Chiringuito uh, criticised Eden Hazard uh, was uh, definitely cruel the other day. uh, He was pretty much insulted. Uh, But yeah, this time I mean, Eden Hazard didn't play, didn't start against Sevilla. He scored the winning goal, yes. But I would say that the protagonist or let's say the talking point is another one this time. The talking point is uh, what happened in that sequence that I said at the beginning of the show when uh, Benzema uh, was fouled inside the, the box by Bono in the 73rd minute of the game. 1-1 1-1 in the scoreline, uh, the referee called the penalty, but uh, right after that, uh, he got to check something, an action that happened in uh, Real Madrid box a little bit before that, and uh, it turned out to be a, a handball of Militao, uh, controversial handball, and the referee had to overdo his decision, he called off the penalty to Benzema, he gave a penalty to Rakitic, to Sevilla, Rakitic scored, and then Real Madrid got the two-all, and I have to say, this Goal by Eden Hazard, by the way, even though Hazard won't be taken out of credit uh, mediatically, at least uh, for this goal, uh, it changes the, the landscape a lot because uh, Real Madrid would have found it very difficult to win the league uh, if they had lost against Sevilla. But now they just have to get better than Atletico. Uh, but if they had lost, they would have been or they would have uh, been obliged to be better than Barcelona too. So I think that this scoreline, 2-0 against Sevilla, is not that bad after all for Real Madrid. Okay, so there's two points, Atletico
2: Madrid at top, and then two points behind them are Real Madrid and Barcelona. Alvaro, was there also another point in this game where Real Madrid thought they'd scored, and there was about 10 minutes before, certainly in the English commentary, they realised that the goal had been disallowed by VAR, but nobody had bothered to tell the commentators.
5: Well, I think that, yes, that happened, but I think that the broadcasters uh, showed all this terribly. I mean, Karim Benzema scores a goal, Uh, the goal gets ruled out, and in the screen you get just VAR check, all right? Uh, But it was never said that VAR check was over. So, therefore, the commentators didn't know uh, whether that goal from Benzema was standing or not. And to be honest with you, it was difficult to know it uh, for any viewer who was not at Valdebebas. And yeah, this was a monumental mistake, uh, of course. And the goal was uh, ruled out only for a marginal offside as well. All
2: right. Okay. Who's going to get it, do you think? Alvaro,
5: who's got the tougher run-in? It's difficult to say. I think that the easiest calendar on paper is Barcelona's one. Because they are playing against Levante, Celta and Eibar. But uh, it looked like the game against Eibar in the last round of La Liga was going to be a, a doddle for Barcelona because Eibar was set to be relegated. But they have won the last two games. And uh, Eibar are going to be in the know the, until the end, presumably. So I couldn't say their calendar is as easy as it sounded at the beginning. Real Madrid are playing against Granada. Atletico Club Bilbao at San Mames, which is historically one of the toughest uh, away games you can get in La Liga, and uh, they are playing against Villarreal as well. So I think the Real Madrid's calendar is the most difficult one, and Atletico, they are playing against Real Sociedad in the midweek, then against Osasuna, and then against Valladolid. I think the Real Madrid's calendar is the most difficult one, but Real Madrid has one thing that is a monumental advantage. I mean, they've got a positive head-to-head against Atletico and against Barcelona. The only team that will lose the head-to-head in the case of leveling on points uh, against both teams could be Barcelona because uh, Atletico and Real Madrid have a better head-to-head against them. But anyway, here I want to make the point that I don't know if the head-to-head... Well, in my opinion, it's... Uh, silly to use the head-to-head as the uh, tiebreaker in a, in a competition like, like, like La Liga because the head-to-head is not representative of what happens in the 38 games and normally we call La Liga in Spanish the tournament of regularity and the head-to-head doesn't show any regularity in there. doesn't represent what regularity should mean. I think that the goal average, uh, as they use it in England, uh, is a better um, tiebreaker than the head-to-head, definitely.
2: Okay. I mean, if say, for example, Barcelona beat Real Madrid home and away, but then ended up behind them on goal average, you can understand their fans going, "Well, we're better than them, we beat them."
5: <laughs> yeah, I, do, I agree. But. Um, but I think that, uh, really, uh, I'm going to say this again, but uh, the goal average at the end of the day explains how good you have been from September until, well, until May. Well, that's true,
2: and it, it is a league, not a not a cup competition. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
5: one one last thing,
2: Alvaro, on for, for now at least. You mentioned Villarreal and the crucial part they will play potentially in the title race. What about their chances in the Europa League final in
5: Gdansk? I think that Manchester United is the favourite for this one. In fact, um, I think that Villarreal and Arsenal in 2006 were closer in level level, uh, terms than Manchester United and Villarreal are now, uh, as strange as it may sound. Because that Villarreal had a lot of referential players in South America, like Diego Forlán, Sorin or Riquelme. Um, But I do believe that Villarreal, they are clever, they know how to slow down the game, uh, as we saw against Arsenal. And this is something that Manchester United would prefer not to happen. And uh, then there are some players in there, like, for example, Pau Torres, who is one of the best prospects uh, for Spanish defence. Gerard Moreno, Moreno, who hasn't scored lately, but Villarreal keeps on getting the results without him being in the scoreline. Then Dani Parejo is playing very well. So I think Manchester United is the favourite, yes, they've got uh, bigger depth in the squad. They've got more speed they've got more firepower, certainly. But Villarreal, mm, they are not silly at all. And normally they don't make silly mistakes. Uh, they are quite professional. And I think that it's going to be a nice final after all.
6: Alvaro, just to pick up on what Raf said to me about the uh, sort of continuing Super League fallout in Italy. What about in Spain? I know Perez has obviously spoken a lot, but what about Laporta? I mean, Laporta kind of uh, took over from the most unpopular president, arguably in Barcelona's history. And yet he seems to be standing by this as well. Has that impacted the momentum that he kind of built up when he he became president of Barca again?
5: Mm, It's difficult to know because, uh, you know, we haven't had any fans in the stands. And at the end of the day, that is what tells you what the referendum or the opinion is about uh, the, the standing president. It is true that uh, Joan Laporta and Florentino Pérez got a little bit of a difference here. Whereas Florentino Pérez decided to sign Real Madrid unilaterally for the Super League. Uh, Joan Laporta did that, but playing the Super League or not was always going to be a decision that ultimately the members uh, could have a say on. Whereas at Real Madrid, I think that that was never going to happen. But yes, uh, apparently... In the Las el clásico in Valdebebas. Uh, Florentino Pérez and Juergen Laporta exchange uh, conversation. I don't know if it was virtual or face to face. And um, Florentino explained Laporta that uh, um, he could be second hand to him or even be the president of the Super League at some point in the future. And Laporta felt good about it uh, because uh, not only because that would be uh, that would mean that uh, Laporta will be in charge of something big or would be in charge of something big. But also because Barcelona needs to be in the Super League. At the end of the day, they've got one billion debt and uh, this competition was a little bit like the way of uh, um, saving uh, Barcelona's future. And now Laporta will, fa- will have to find like uh, imaginative ways of uh, getting some cash and some money flowing for Barcelona. One thing that uh, still strikes me is the little contestation that Real Madrid and Barcelona have had everywhere, by the fans, by social media. Um, I think that it explains a little bit how how Spain works as well, I think that uh, many politicians and many people, they are used to getting away in Spain with their own way, but when you put that in the European scenario, uh, it is more difficult, and uh, I think that Florentino still doesn't believe, or still doesn't accept, for example, what has happened to him, that suddenly uh, he was supposed to be the president of 12, or 15, and now he's basically the the standing man uh, out of three, you know.
6: (laughs) He's president of the, the new Trofeo Berlusconi.
5: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's like a summer tournament, <laughs> as it stands, really. A, a triangular tournament between Juve, Real Madrid and Barcelona.
2: He's like one of those soldiers in the Pacific, 10 years on, he's <laughs> still in the tree. Yes.
5: yes. <laughs> Hidden in the bushes. Now, if only.
2: All right. Next up, how about we hear some of the other stories that took place this
0: weekend in Syria? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: You're listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Just the 39 goals this weekend in Italy's top division. 39
2: goals. Woohoo! 15 of them were scored by three teams, five each for Inter, Atalanta and Roma. Inter, who whooped Sampdoria and got a guard of honour beforehand. As uh, James mentioned earlier, they'd like one next week too in Turin. Only two goals for Fiorentina, meanwhile, but uh, two goals which ensured... Their top flight status for next season, beating Lazio uh, 2-0. Guess who got those goals? That's going to be Dusan. Dusan, the man, Vlajevic. Young player of the year. 21 league goals this season. Benevento in the the big relegation battle. They're now three points from safety and Spezia. Benevento, of course, managed by Pippo Inzaghi, had a huge uh, battle with fellow strugglers Cagliari, who were a point above them going into this. Tell us more, James. Well, there was a
6: very controversial penalty decision in this game, which then provoked one of the almighty uh, rants that we have seen in in Serie A for a long, long time. I think it, it it goes it goes it's right up there with Malisani and his um, Cazzo rant. Um, this was the Benevento owner who accused the VAR of acting in bad faith, and uh, he is put in charge of all the games uh, against teams from the south. Because he alleges that this uh, referee of our wants to kill the South.
2: Kill the South. I, I was confused by this. A, because to me it didn't seem that controversial a decision to overturn the penalty, which the player dives. But uh, though there is a bit of contact, and then he kind of, but he's already going down when the, the knees touch. But also, if you're trying to kill the South against Cagliari, where's Cagliari? <laughs> It's true, Caleri.
6: Even though it's in Sardinia, which is a, an island off 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 the off the coast, is is considered part of of Italy's south. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a baffling one. But uh, as Vigurito, um the um, the Benevento owner said, yeah, we've made so many sacrifices this year in in wind, rain, cold, and sleet. And this Mazzolini guy, what does he have to do? He puts his ass on a bench. And he can't, he, he can't even see the decision that Bigger Retail wants him to make. So there you go.
2: The TV host, while he's doing all this, says, well, thank you for unburdening yourself. He wasn't. He said, I'll, I'll go to a priest when I want to unburden myself. He got very upset. <laughs> he
6: really did. In really thick kind of Campanian Neapolitan uh, accent. Yeah, it was brilliant.
2: We've got a midweek round coming up, James. And then we've got huge fixtures at the weekend with... Juve-Inter, as mentioned, but also the the Rome derby, which could have an impact on the Europa League spots, something that Jose Mourinho will be keeping an eye on, no doubt. Uh, who's your favourite for the top four? Do you think Juve can break back in? And what should we look out from the midweek games?
6: So uh, my top four would be Inter, Atalanta, Napoli and Milan. Uh, I think that's it. I mean, they're, they're two form teams at the moment in the league. Leaving Inter aside are Atalanta and Napoli. Uh, Napoli scoring goals for fun uh, at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 very strange, really, that Gattuso will be leaving uh, at, at the end of the, the season. Um, but I think in terms of in terms of midweek, I think you've got to keep watching what happens at Juventus because uh, Sassuolo have been in 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 fine form uh, of late under Roberto Deserbi, who's you know very much the uh, the Bielsa of uh, of Serie A, and uh, it's probably going to be his last few games. He's been linked with a uh, move to Shakhtar um, in in Ukraine. And I can completely see them causing all sorts of problems uh, for Juventus. So uh, so let's see. I would keep across that game if I were you.
2: All right. Also, of course, Benevento's next fixture is that they take on a truly northern side, Atalanta. <laughs> Lovely. One or two uh, questions from listeners just to finish us off. Eldin Hazic... Asked, where will Pjanic go after the season? Does he have anything left? Can't get on the pitch at Barca, but Juve looked terrible in the midfield after he left. What, what do you think, guys?
6: What I would do is I would send Artur back to Barcelona in exchange for Pjanic. I mean, c- clearly, <laughs> for 18, Pjanic yeah. is, as Raphael Honigstein will know, uh, the reason why Juventus have relinquished their ninth uh, Scudetto is because Mirla Pianich Pjanic is, is no longer there. Um, so so that would be my answer we've 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 got some breaking news uh, oh. in that uh, Salernitana uh, returning to Serie A James oh, no, for the first time since club <laughs> exactly for the first time since you were there in 98 99 when Delio they had Rossi. That team of Delia Rossi Gattuso, Gattuso. Ma- yeah. Marco Di Vaio Rigobert Song Rigobert Song, um, I was say, song. Yeah.
3: but I of course it,
6: they uh, they are owned by Claudio Letito who also owns Lazio? This can't. This can't happen, can it? We'll have to see. So, messed up. Claudio um,
2: Latito, who's, who's currently banned from any kind of federal duties as well, because of, because of the, the I don't. We don't need to get into all of this. But you remember when Lazio had some players test positive for COVID, and they went, "No, actually, we'll do our own tests with our own lab." Oh, look, they're actually all they're negative. Fine. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> So anyway, and does that mean Monza
3: will have to go through the playoff? Because if Berlusconi Monza, and Lotito both go up, it would be exceptional. Monza
6: lost to Cellino's Brescia today, who have been in great form under Pep Closet, former what Leeds and Birmingham, Birmingham manager. They lost 2-0, even though Balotelli, uh, I think uh, the weekend on Friday, scored a couple of goals, came to the rescue for them. Uh, another breaking story, which we should follow, it regards the Champions Inter uh, Inter fans very aggrieved um, that someone is, is trying to poop on their party, uh, so, so to speak, uh, after winning the title. With all these stories about Inter, Inter's financial distress, well, uh, Stephen Zhang, the young president, youngest president ever to win the league, has, has obviously been back in Italy for the first time since seven months. He was partying with them and now, on Monday afternoon... He's told them that they have to forego two months' wages. Right,
2: uh, that's their Scudetto premium uh, b- prize. <laughs>
3: that's yeah. a big bonus for winning the league. Yeah. Scudetto tax.
5: Right. On the promoted uh, clubs, uh, Espanyol is back in Primera División as well, ah, in La Liga. Brilliant. So, yeah, after uh, pretty much 11 months after getting relegated, uh, they are back and they've been... By far the best team in the Spanish Segunda División. Uh, they managed to keep uh, Raúl de Tomás, uh, the striker they bought from Benfica last season, and uh, he has made such a difference in the Spanish Second Division. So, congratulations to them. Barcelona will have uh, two teams in La Liga next season. Uh, Más o on- menos. Maso- well, yeah, more sí, or less. Sí. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but they were good. They were good. And on uh, um, Pianic and Artur, I mean, I think that uh, the misuse or the underusing of uh, Pjanic by Ronald Koeman is quite remarkable as well because uh, Pjanic could have made a difference for Barcelona this season. Uh, a player like Pedri, for example, now looks drained. I mean, he's 18 years old and he has played pretty much every every game. And uh, Pjanic has disappeared from the lineups uh, and also from even from the games uh, in the last three months. And, uh, you know, he was never that bad for Barcelona. I don't understand why.
2: Hamburg aren't coming up, are they? to the Bundesliga. Pobleton Pink wants to know who will be promoted first, Hamburg or Schalke? (laughs) Uh,
4: Well, Hamburg are only fifth at the moment. They need a minor miracle, James, to finish in the top two or even in in third. Uh, But they are playing Nuremberg tonight uh, with a chance to make up a bit of ground uh, on uh, Dusseldorf and Kiel. Jules,
2: meantime, who's coming up from Ligue 2 since we're talking about that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, trois have been promoted this weekend. So you can get Trois from deux. That's interesting. Trois from deux. Deux, deux to un. Trois from deux to un. Uh, yeah, well done to them. And the uh, young manager, Laurent Batless, who's been fantastic and unfortunately for them is not going to stay and we'll go to a bigger club.
2: Well, we'd love to stay with you, listener. But that's where we've got to wrap things up for this uh, European edition of the Totally Football Show. Of course, the uh, regular show will be back on Thursday. reacting to whatever midweek things there are to react to. It. And then, We'll get the boys back together, Alvaro, James, Jules and Rafa, next week for what should be a slightly more definitive look at the title race in Spain and probably France and that whole top four picture with Juve and that in Italy and more from the Bundesliga as well. I hope you have a great time in the meanwhile. Many thanks uh, to everyone who put this show together and from all of us here,
1: it's ciao, ciao. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
6: The Athletic.